This is episode 307, Fix Your Broken Heart Instead of Trying to Fix a Broken Relationship with Sarah. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the show. I want to start out by thanking all of you who've been writing ratings and reviews of the podcast. I just took some time to go and read some of the most recent reviews, and I was just in tears. You know, I I talk into this microphone and I never know who I'm talking to and who I'm impacting. And when I get to read the reviews, I feel like I get to connect to so many of you listeners. So thank you. It deeply, deeply touches my heart. And I consider it a huge honor to be in your ears, to be in your life and to impact your personal development journey. It's something that is very, very sacred to me. So thank you. And if you haven't heard, I am gifting a 30-minute one-on-one private coaching session with me. If you go and write a rating and review and enter yourself into the drawing to win that session. So just go to iTunes, rate the show, write a review. It can be really short. And then go to christinehasler.com slash review and you'll be entered to win that free 30-minute session with me. And this is going to be over in August, but I'll probably do another one in a couple of months because I just love connecting with all of you. Have an episode for you all today, which I think everyone's going to relate to, even if you're not going through a breakup right now. I know probably almost everyone has tried to fix something that doesn't work. Like you've tried to fix a relationship, you've tried to fix a career, maybe even your favorite phone or computer or, or zipper on your favorite outfit or chain on your favorite necklace. You just try to fix and try to fix. And then someday you're like, I just need to let this go. It's just not working. That's what today's episode is about. It's about really looking inside. And in the title, I said, fix your broken heart, but really it's about healing what's inside, what's unresolved rather than trying to heal or fix something outside of you. So as you're listening to this show, consider, do you have a hard time letting go of things? Even when you know you're supposed to, but you just can't seem to let go. Did you grow up in a house where you didn't really feel securely attached? Maybe your parents were emotionally unavailable or unpredictable, or there was just chaos in your house. Have you ever been in a situation where you feel like the situation in itself makes you more needy? Like you look at a relationship or a career or friendship and you don't even recognize yourself because of some of your behaviors. And finally, are you one of the many of us who say, I know so much, I've done so much work, I have so much awareness, but you find yourself in a similar position. So keep those questions in mind as you listen to my coaching session with Sarah. Before we dive in, I want to thank my sponsor for this episode, which is ShipStation. So we all have passions in life, and especially this past year when so many of you started online businesses, you're looking for a way to really manage your business, to get orders to your customers in a reliable way. Well, I have the answer for you. That is called ShipStation. They make it easy to manage your orders and get your products out the door so you can get back to doing what you really love, which is growing your business. ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. 
You can import orders from any sales channel, ship with any character using ShipStation's deeply discounted rates and automate just about any shipping task. No wonder 100,000 plus online sellers choose ShipStation. Now I know for many of you, especially you creatives, you love doing what you do, the logistics and the shipping and all of that, like, oh, it just drains you. It's not your zone of genius. That's why you'll love ShipStation. No matter how you sell, Shopify, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation funnels all your orders into simple interface that you can manage from anywhere, even your phone. And you'll get access to amazing discounts with major carriers. With ShipStation, small business can now access the same rates usually reserved for Fortune 500 companies without the contracts or commitments. So here's your call to action. Ship more in less time for a lot less money. Just use my code over it to get a 60-day free trial. You guys, that's two months of free, no-hassle, stress-free shipping. Just go to shipstation.com, S-H-I-P-S-T-A-T-I-O-N.com. Click on the microphone over the top of the page and type in over it. That's shipstation.com, offer code over it. Make ship happen and get a free 60-day trial. And now on to my coaching session with Sarah. Sarah, welcome to the show. How can I help? Thank you for having me. So the reason I reached out to you is I am going through a breakup. Well, I guess technically the breakup is done, but I'm having a really hard time letting the relationship go. Mm. And, um, don't really know. I know what I'm supposed to be doing, but I mentally, physically, and emotionally can't. What are you supposed to be doing? Moving forward, um, not reaching out to him, no contact, Mm -hmm. um, taking the high road, having high self-worth and not needing anybody and Mm -hmm. all of that. Well, we all need people. So you can let that one go. And yeah, the no contact thing I'd probably agree with because it just makes it harder. But also this is a grief process. This isn't something that like you fell down, skinned your knee and you need to get back up and start walking again. This is breakups are big. So let me ask you a couple questions. How long ago was the breakup? Three weeks ago today. So pretty fresh. And how long were you together? A year and a half. Okay. So definitely long enough to form some serious attachments. So I just want to ask you this, Sarah, like, why are you putting pressure on yourself to be in a place that's a little unrealistic right now? I don't think it's that I want to be in a place. The only place I want to be is with him. Mm. And I, I just feel like the way that everything happened and the reasons that the relationship ended, I just feel like it's fixable. Okay. And, um, you know, I have a lot of regrets. It's just, I'm in a state of frustration and mm-hmm. I just want to turn back the clock. Oh, I know that feeling. If only we had a time machine. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Why did the relationship end and what do you regret? Ultimately, he felt like he needed to make a decision. We, we had been having some problems, nothing tangible, but a lot of it would stem from me being insecure about our relationship. I I didn't show up to the relationship that way. 
Mm -hmm. Um, But over time and some certain things um, that happened, I started to feel insecure and I needed some reassurance from him. And I, I think I didn't fully get that the way that I hoped to get it. And I don't know, I guess maybe it's my own attachment issue. I don't know. Um, I tend to be a little more anxious, but I mm-hmm. thought I had resolved that. And he tends to be a little more walled off, but mm-hmm. we went th- through all of it and he would go down the rabbit hole with me, but he would still be a little defensive. And, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all the while I, you know, at one point I, and this is what I regret. I, I looked in his phone Mm-hmm. I crossed a boundary and I, I looked in his phone and some of the things that I saw that I just, I didn't like what I saw, but I never told him. So I suffered in silence for mm-hmm. a long time, but I would. What did you see that you didn't like? He would Google exes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for me, I mean, I've had curiosity about people from the past before. I think that it can be benign, but the standards that I thought we had for our relationship and the way that he operates, I, I, it just surprised me. Um, and he would research, he would look up things about the relationship and about me and attraction and things like that. Um, I think he was looking for clarity himself. Mm -hmm. That's why I should have never seen these things. Mm -hmm. Um, but it just caused me to brew and then maybe probe him without him knowing that he knew this. And eventually things just, I don't know, we got in a a bad fight. Usually it was about my feelings and my emotions. It was just too much for him. And I took some space. I went and walked to the beach and he said he was going to go out with some friends and maybe stay over, which was out of character. He was always so consistent and reliable and dependable, but it was fine. I figured he needs space. We had just gone on a trip and it wasn't the greatest trip. And she came home at like 4am and mm. I approached him and I just had a weird gut feeling. And I mm-hmm. just said, did you cheat on me? Mm-hmm. And at first he said, he said, what? No. And then he came back and he said, did you ask me if I cheated on you? And I said, I started to backpedal because I knew it was absolutely absurd. And because he's so disciplined and loyal, he's a very disciplined and rigid person. So let me let me just jump in here for a moment because it sounds, and this happens in a lot of breakups, we put on rose-colored glasses and we only see the good and we only see the potential. So no person, especially a woman, checks another person's phone unless their intuition is screaming at them that something's off. And something was off. And a relationship is only fixable if two people are willing to do the fixing. Sounds like you're trying to fix you and him. And that won't work. Like you've told me enough about his behavior that shows me there's definitely in a more of an avoidant attachment style while you have the anxious. And that's completely healable. But it sounds like when the rubber meets the road, his choice is I want out. And now you're grasping and wanting to get back together and beating yourself up and regretting, but you were just following your intuition. You were just really following like something feels off. I can't really trust something. And who knows, maybe that's a familiar feeling for you. Maybe this was something that was up in your childhood with an emotionally unavailable father or a father who cheated or, or just deception in your household. And you have like a spidey sense for it, which is, you know, one of the reasons you're going to call it in so you can heal it. 
but also like we try to heal our childhood by drawing in people who remind us of them. And that just creates issue-based relationships that become addictive because we so want the relationship to fix the issue rather than really doing the self-honoring internal work so that we don't attract those kind of relationships in the first place. So I want to ask you, who does he remind you of? What does this dynamic remind you of? I've asked myself this and I mean, he doesn't remind, I mean, I definitely had parents that were emotionally unreliable. Yeah. Um, unreliable in general. Yeah. And maybe what I should have said is what does the feeling you had in this relationship remind you of? Yeah, I think I've definitely felt at a very young age, like I was not, I don't know if not good enough is the word, but that I should be different. And yeah, my parents couldn't really meet my needs. And that was definitely the case with him. He wasn't really fully meeting my needs, but I didn't know. And I still don't know if my needs were valid. Like maybe I'm just needy. (laughs) Well, um, we're all needy. We're all needy. (laughs) And here's the thing. Some of your needs were valid. Some of them were from your inner child wanting him to be mom and dad. So in a relationship, we all need total honesty. We need trust. We need loyalty. We need intimacy. We need someone to really be able to hear us and see us, take responsibility for their side. We take responsibility for ours. We need to be able to communicate without being gaslighted. Those are all relational needs. Now, the the thing that made you, we'll say in your words, needy, was little Sarah was popping in and getting all excited because maybe she was finally going to have what mommy and daddy didn't give her. And that was creating the graspy anxiety, quote unquote, needy behavior that probably turned him off. Now, I just want to say that doesn't mean it's your fault. That doesn't mean the relationship ended because he, based on the emotional availability and health of where he's at, he couldn't come in and be like, you're safe. I love you. I got you. And so if if you're going to blame anyone, which I don't like blaming in the first place, it is totally 50-50 here. He was, his behavior was encouraging your neediness. That's the setup in this kind of real issue-based relationship. So I really, really encourage you. Part of, you know, why you want the relationship back is to get this regret. The regret and the self-blame is a really awful feeling. It's a terrible feeling. It just eats away at, at us. And there's a part of you like, if I can just get it back, then this feeling will go away. And quite honestly, I think if you got the relationship back, the regret may be gone, but all the anxiety would still be there because I don't think he had what it took to make you feel safe. Do you? I definitely found myself saying that I didn't feel emotionally safe, but we were doing the things like we went to therapy. We were going every week. I mean, we were still having arguments and I was becoming more and more. And actually our our therapy there, a lot of what it was based on was they call it the adaptive child. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we were both very well aware of when we would go into that, but I was going into it 
more and more and more to the point where I was just like Mm -hmm. crying all the Mm -hmm. time. And he, he just felt like he, he's all logic based and he felt like he had to make a logical decision before our lease was up. And Mm -hmm. it took one text from a, from the landlord to just make him run. And then Mm -hmm. it's just, I, I, and what does that tell you? And this is the other thing in breakups. We tend to look at all our own stuff, but we don't really look honestly at the other person. If one text from a landlord throws him into his logical mind and he decides, he evaluates the relationship like a business deal, what does that tell you about how open his heart is? Oh, I know. I know, but he was working on it. It's like, that's what's so frustrating. He was aware, but he just had reached a breaking point and I just... And that's beautiful. And here's the thing, Sarah. If you ever want to see if this relationship has a shot, from my point of view, and you can see how this lands in your body when I say it, you have to let it go. It sounds like if he's going to really do the work that is required to really meet you at where you want to be met, he needs the space to do that. It's great that he was trying, but we really don't know when some, where someone is until a challenging situation comes in and they respond. And right now he is not available. And that doesn't make you wrong. It doesn't make you needy. It doesn't mean you messed up. It's just the truth of where he is. Just like your parents could not meet your emotional needs, he couldn't either. And so you got to stop going for, to a Chinese restaurant when you want nachos. You're not going to change him. And so what I would encourage you to do is really grieve. You know, grief is a reflection of how much we loved. And it sounds like you really loved him and still do. So let yourself grieve. Let it go. Let yourself feel the heartbreak. Because if you, if for some reason you ever do get back together down the road, it's going to be a new relationship anyway. You've got to grieve this one. But what is staying in contact with him doing? What's the purpose of it? I mean, he's, he's, we're not in contact. I, I was just, I called him. I mean, I've been calling him, but, and just, I told him, like, I threw it all out there. I mean, I told him I loved him. We've never even said that in a year and a half. Mm. I said, I was waiting for him, you know, to say it. And, um, cause I know how he is. And I said, I'm not supposed to, you know, I, all the things that I wanted to say. And I said, I'm not supposed to say any of these things, but forget about my ego. And I said, you know me. And he started, he said, you're right. You're right. Okay. I'll come there tonight. And then 30 minutes later, he said, he just he's not coming. He has to stick yeah. to his decision. And that threw me in a tailspin. And yeah. now he's completely shut me out. Like he won't, he like blocked my calls. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't fixable right now, Sarah. Well, I don't think you do because you said it. So there's a part of you that knows it's not, but there's a really big part of you that thinks it's fixable. And that's little Sarah. And so what little Sarah also needs to grieve is mom and dad. There are two deaths we grieve when it comes to our parent. Their actual physical death, 
and then the death of the relationship that we always dreamed of. You've got to grieve never having the parents you wanted, never having the parents that could really meet your needs and really be there for you. This relationship, if you just stay focused on this relationship, you're going to miss a big piece that's going on here, which is a little girl who feels abandoned again, who feels not seen, feels like she did something wrong. She, Because, of course, if your parents can't meet your needs as a child, you're going to think you're doing something wrong. You're going to think yeah, you're not I feel enough. very misunderstood. Sure. I think that's the... Yeah. And it's like, probably really hard for you to communicate your feelings and your needs because of your childhood. Right. So that's true. if it were me, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying if it were me, I would not invest any more energy into trying to make this relationship work. Into thinking about it, into shoulda, coulda, woulda, because... All that is, is a stalling strategy. All that is, is a, is a coping mechanism to keep you from dealing with the deeper hurts that come from when you were really little. Believe me, your heart is way more broken over your parents than this guy who couldn't even say, I love you in a year and a half. And so make the space for her, for little Sarah, make the space to really Let her express, let her share all the hurts and all the feelings and all the anger she may have at mom and dad and let this, you know, whenever we have a present day grief, it unlocks all the grief that we've suppressed, you know? I don't know. I mean, I'm so aware I've done so much. I know people always say this, I've done so much work and... I have such an awareness around my childhood and my parents, you know, I have three other siblings and we bond over, you know, my parents, I hate to say it, shortcomings. So I, I feel like I've talked it out and come to terms with it and all of that. That's so great. And it really does not a lot. (laughs) It doesn't. It's why people, and this isn't a dig on talk therapy, it's super helpful in terms of awareness, but why we can stay in therapy for years and years. Have you ever fully grieved your parents? Like really let yourself go into the grief and the sadness for not having parents that could meet your needs and let that little girl talk and write and express and yell and scream and like get all that out. I I mean, I haven't yelled and screamed about it. I just accept it and I don't know. And keep repeating it. Sorry, I'm being a little direct with you, but you're kind of in a bit of a loop. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know I'm stuck in it. Yeah. Made myself, I was in, you know, I'm in our apartment and I just made myself leave and I came to my brothers and just, just to be around people and to kind of try to get out of the spiral. Yeah. You're right. I am. Yeah. If you want out of the spiral, you go to the root cause. So what sort so writing and well, I mean, this is where a practitioner can help. One that really understands somatics, that's trauma-informed, mm-hmm. that can work really on the like zero to five level, meaning age-wise, mm-hmm. can really help you go back and work with that inner child. I mean you could do a lot yourself in terms of really just sitting down and closing your eyes and imagining like little Sarah and 
speaking or writing what the parents you wish you would have had. Yeah. And really seeing on paper, you didn't have that and like grieving it like a death, grieving it like a loss. Like, because again, our inner child will keep looking for mom and dad in relationships and career and friends and everything outside of us until we really help the little one understand like they're gone, like it's not happening. Yeah. And then we give that to ourselves. Yeah. I, I said, I guess I, I intellectually, I know this. I, I, I have resentment dreams about my mother and I don't know what they mean because I, I do have a lot of anger. Um, but I thought I was over it. (laughs) How do you think you got yourself over it? that's a good question. I just time and forgiveness and finding my own way, but you're right. There is something there where I'm Mm -hmm. looking for somebody to support Mm -hmm. me and to be a part of me and to build a life with. And I know that that part's normal, but I know that it's a little more than that. Yeah. And that's beautiful awareness. And unfortunately time doesn't heal all wounds and forgiveness can be a bypass over Mm -hmm. the emotions over the really raw human experience of like, why did you even have me if you couldn't meet my needs? Right. Yeah. I definitely always felt like I was a, an inconvenience and mm. I wasn't understood and yeah. my parents didn't really want to be parents. And It's a lot to be angry at. And instead of really directing that anger where it needs to go, you're directing a lot of it at you with the regret and the shoulda, coulda, wouldas and the judgments. Yeah. So I don't know if you pray or if you talk to the universe, but I would, again, if I were in your shoes, I would very intentionally say to the universe or pray, I am ready and willing to heal this, to help little Sarah to really heal my relationship with my parents. Help me. Send me the right practitioners, the right information the inner wisdom and courage to do what I need to do, just really make that intention real. Yeah. And then, you know, on the the breakup thing, it's like I would get as rid of as many memories as you can or put things out of sight. And and every time you think about him, I want you to go, okay, stop. That's not the direction. That's useful. And I want you to come back and I want you to think about little you that little girl inside of you who's so aching for you to meet her needs. Yeah. Yeah. I think it has a lot to do with that because my needs were never really met. And when I expressed them, no, I don't know. Nobody could, I was like a bad kid for it. Even though I meant well. Yeah. 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 It's always been that way. Yeah. I acknowledge all the work that you've done, Sarah. I believe you that you've done a lot. And this relationship came in because you're ready to go deeper. Yeah. These expectation hangovers come in because our soul's like, okay, you graduated, moving on to the next grade. So know that you're in this place because you have done a lot of work. Yeah. And you're ready for the next. 
I, I want to be excited about it. I'm, you don't have to be I excited. You just have to be willing. And I'm like, <laughs> this isn't even my tone, my usual tone of voice. I'm not usually resistant like this. I'm usually bright eyed oh. and bushy tailed and excited. And I, I know what I sound like and it, it isn't who I want to be. Like, let's just let all that I'm go. Just stuck in it. Let's just let all that go. Because again, that little girl is wanting to get attention and this is how she's doing it. And when you judge you, you judge her. Again, you don't have to be excited. You just have to be willing and compassionate with yourself. Thank you, Sarah, so much for your vulnerability. I know you said later in the call that, oh, this doesn't even sound like me. I'm usually like, you know, X, Y, Z. And what I want to say to you and anyone that may be going through a tough time is it did sound like you. It sounded like a part of you that's going through a breakup. Sometimes we have this expectation that we have to uphold these certain personalities or certain way of being. And when we're in our pain, first of all, we don't like the pain and then we don't like ourselves in the pain. And judgment of ourselves or our process only slows us down. It only makes us, it makes it worse. So really just accept this phase that you're in. And that was one of the biggest things that came out of this. Sarah wants to fix the relationship. She wants to fix him. She thinks there's still hope, but really it's not the relationship that she's so upset about. As we talked about in the call, she had parents that just were not there for her. She didn't feel enough. She didn't feel like they really met her needs. And that can set up some very, mm, for lack of a better word, unhealthy, we could even say unsatisfying patterns when it comes to relationships. So you all know this, you listen to the show for a long time. We attempt to work out our childhood woundings often through dating and through relationship. Unconsciously, we look for someone like mom and dad and think, oh, this feels familiar. So we often confuse familiar for love, not the same things. That's why sometimes we feel so scared to do things that are unfamiliar. We confuse unfamiliarity with not being safe. That's not always true. Sometimes it's something that's unfamiliar is totally safe. We just feel scared because it's unfamiliar. So familiar things on the contrast can feel like, oh, this does feel really safe, but actually they're not. This does feel like love, but actually it's not. So here she's in the situation with this guy who triggers a lot of the same feelings she has as a child, basically her needs not being met and, and feeling like she's the one that was wrong, right? Because as a child, she said, I feel like I was not enough and that I should be different. Same thing's happening with this guy. And of course she attracts someone that seems to have had an avoidant attachment style. And when someone who has an anxious attachment style is with someone that has an avoidant attachment style, whew, it just amplifies all the anxiety and neediness so much so that she's checking his phone. And for anyone who's ever checked anyone's phone in a relationship, you don't do it because everything's going all hunky-dory. You don't do it because you feel safe, you feel connected. You do it because something's up. Yes, you can call it your anxiety. Yes, you can call your unresolved issues, but also sometimes it's your intuition. And she looked and she found something. So it's like, okay, we can judge ourselves. She can judge herself for I shouldn't have looked in his phone. I betrayed his confidence. I should have just talked to him. I should have, should have, should have. She could shit all over herself. But the truth is something was off, just like she knew something was off as a kid. And the other thing about not having our needs met as a kid is that we fumble with our needs as an adult. So Sarah probably isn't that great at expressing her needs in a way that makes an avoidant feel like they want to come closer right? Because what happens with uh, people who have avoidant attachment styles in relationship is they just want distance. And as soon as they feel pressured or as soon as they feel smothered, or as soon as they feel like the relationship is requiring too much, they just run. 
So yeah, it's true that she could have quote unquote pushed him away, but that's just because of their unresolved wounds. Because of his unresolved wounds, he couldn't come to her and and make her feel really, really grounded. And because she didn't really know how to express her needs as a child, she doesn't really know how to express them as an adult. So she's learning. So that's why my encouragement to her was, this is, I know you've done a lot of work. I know you have a lot of awareness, but remember awareness and mental forgiveness isn't enough. Awareness, acceptance, mental forgiveness, good luck. You got to go much deeper than that. And any of you that have ever tried it, you know, that doesn't really work. It'd be nice if it did, but it doesn't really work. She's got to go way back to little Sarah and, and grieve the fact that she did not have parents that met her needs. She thinks she's so upset about this relationship, but what it's really touching on is she is feeling the grief of the little girl. It's touching on, I feel so sad that I don't have parents that feel like they love me and see me. So she's got to grieve the death of the ideal of her parents. Remember I said in the episode, there are two deaths we have to grieve of our parents, their actual physical death and the death of the ideal, the death of who we always wanted them to be. Because when we actually grieve and accept, not just accept and forgive, but grieve and feel all our feelings around that, which is also a representation of how much we loved. But when we actually grieve, then it's like the inner child gets, okay, that's dead. That's gone. That's not happening. And it doesn't have to keep dating people that look and sound and seem like mom and or dad. So Sarah's work and anyone that can relate to this, your takeaways is go back to the little girl or little boy or little one inside. Allow yourself to really get clear about what you wanted from your parents that you never got. And quite frankly, you're probably never, ever going to get and allow yourself to grieve it and let go of trying to fix that relationship or the way you look or that job or that friendship. Stop looking out and look in. That's always where the healing is. Sending you so much love and many blessings. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings. Thank you.